The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, or would that be TMO to go? Nope, it's Mac Geek Gab, episode 609 for Monday, June 13th, 2016. (laughs) Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab the show that eventually became and is Car Talk for Apple Geeks, answering your questions, sharing your tips, solving your problems, helping you get the most out of your computer with the goal being that we all learn, me included, at least three new things each and every time we get together. Sponsors for this particular episode include Atlassian, a name that you might not know, but you will. Makers of Bitbucket, Jira, and more. We'll talk more about them shortly, as well as Gazelle, Uh, at gazelle.com, where you can sell off all your old Apple stuff here in San Francisco, California. I'm Dave Hamilton. Huh? Wow. And um, here, still in fearful Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And and it's funny, Dave, because, you know, you, you, uh, you went in the time travel machine. And, I'd you know, I'd almost say that you did this because... One of the podcasts that you and I both know and love uh, has hit a uh, milestone today. I'm, I'm just guessing. Yeah, and that's that, why that you said TMO true. to go. That is, yeah. So um, it just so happens that today is exactly the 11th anniversary of the day that uh, we started or released the first episode of this podcast. But it, we did not call it Mac Geekab on the first day. We didn't have that name. My wife, Lisa, had not come up with that name as of day one. So we called it TMO to go. And uh, and it's interesting that, I mean, because because it was a podcast and it was something you could take with you and listen in the car or at the gym or whatever. So that, that was sort of the working title while we were uh, messing around with this thing. And, and then sure enough, uh, obviously, it became Mac Geekab, which is a much better name. And, uh, and here we are. But uh, yeah, happy anniversary, man. Did did Lisa come up with? with she did. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. She said, okay. I said to her, I'm like, y- y- everything. Listen, my wife is like a genius. She comes up with all these things and she'll mention them like offhandedly. But if I look back over the decades that we've been together, like all these great little things that exist in the world exist because she's off the top of her head said, oh, you should do this. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's a really good idea. So no, she said it was actually Geek Gab. She's like, you should call it the Geek Gab. And I'm like, wow, that's a good name. And I said, how about Mac Geek Gab? Which, of course, in retrospect, maybe my addition of Mac to the name is the, you know, if, if arguably, if anything's hampering us, it's that, right? That we didn't call it just Geek Gab because now it's it's not just Macs that we talk about, but it's iPhones and iPads and watches and, you know, Synologies and TiVos and everything else in, under the sun. But, well, uh, I'm a big fan of Lisa. Same. Because, um, you know, she's part of, part of our family here, but number yeah. two, because, you know, I get these emails, you know, every now and then saying, Hey, you know, here's, here's some, uh, you know, here's some dough. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's never a bad thing. I guess she, she does the books, right? She does right, do the books. Yeah. She wasn't back then, not at that point in time, but, uh, but since she has started doing it. Yeah. So happy anniversary. Uh, we start our 12th year together. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're still together. I and, know uh, we've outlasted know, most marriages. So there you go. I think so. 
And we don't fight too much. No, and, not uh, too much. You know, we, I mean, we, we're honest with each other. It's all good. Hey, it's a good marriage. It, it is. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a good partnership for sure. But Dave, you are in San Francisco. I'm going to guess because there's this thing that happens every year out there, not Macworld Expo, sadly, because no. that's on hiatus officially. It's right? dead. But, yeah. but you're at the other. Well, there's two other things. I don't know if the other other thing is still happening, but you are at the uh, Worldwide Developers Conference. I was this morning. Yeah, I don't have... I had a press pass for the conference today, uh, but... Oh, you uh, did? I, I saw you. You 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 yeah. did a nice selfie. You, so oh, yeah. you were in the... Um, right. uh, but what's their venue uh, this year? Well, the, uh, they, they did it. They did all the events today, which include both the keynote as... Actually, not both. The keynote, the... Uh, platform state of the union which is an awesome event that they also live stream and it just ended so it doesn't matter when you're listening to this show you could watch it on the uh, uh you know on the replay which they'll have and then the apple design awards all three of those events happened at the bill graham civic center which holds with seats in there about 7500 people and uh and that was good because it got all the attendees in it got all the press in and it got uh a bunch of apple employees in as well so the, those three events happen today. They pack them all in, and then the sessions all start tomorrow and run through Friday, and that's over at the Moscone West, which is a couple blocks away. Okay, cool. And so I saw the keynote, and uh, I would say uh, this time around it went off. Uh, I think there was a hiccup at the beginning, at least when I watched it on my Apple TV. Oh, interesting. But um, yeah, well, you know, Tim did the, you know, there was a, uh, a, a memorial at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and then it skipped back oh, to the beginning again, uh, at least on my stream. Sure. And then I fast forwarded like a minute or so. And then I got to the, uh, oh, okay. the live feed. But other than that, it was, uh, you know, unlike some, some in the past, it was impeccable on, on the Apple TV and my uh, home AV setup. So the, I was able the to stream was, the entire the stream thing. was uninterrupted in, uh, in the room itself. Yeah, the sound van, or uh, <laughs> you know, we had that one. Yeah, no, I remember it was episode with the Asian, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Asian uh, 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 subtitles, and I'm like, huh. So, so let's let's talk about this because there was quite a bit that happened today in uh, in the keynote. Yeah. Um, so I I don't even know where the first. I'm going to talk about the first thing because we talked about the name of this show, which of course is Mac Geek Cab. So let's rewind back to where it all began. Uh, initially. It was the the operating system that we ran on our Macs was called System Software, right? And it was System Software one through six through seven, and then I believe it was I uh, I should have looked this up. It was either seven point one or seven point five. They started calling it Mac OS um, seven point five, and then it was Mac OS eight, Mac OS nine, and then of course Mac OS ten with the Roman numeral ten, and then. After iOS came out, we dropped the Mac and just started calling it OS 10. And when I say we, of course, I mean Apple. And it's been OS 10 for a while now, but you know, it, things would have been confusing because we would have had OS 10, 10.12 uh, announced today and iOS 10 announced today. And that would have started getting really confusing. And plus they also have tvOS and watchOS. So, it is now uh, Mac OS, lowercase m, no space between the C and the O. Uh, so it is like tvOS and watchOS and iOS. Uh, so it is just Mac OS now. So it's not the same Mac OS we had back in the 
in the 7.5 days, but it's, it's a new, refreshed, slightly more humble Mac OS, at least compared to its brethren. Right. And you're, um, you're jumping ahead a bit, but, um, but, but for naming consistency, I yep. don't blame them for, uh, yeah. for doing this. And, uh, you know, just a sneak peek here is I, I do believe that the next version is going to be called uh, uh, Sierra. That's right. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a word I believe we can all agree to pronounce correctly, even those folks who live in California. So that's good. Right. Well, we had our dear friend Allison Sheridan. It wasn't just Allison. The, uh, it was many, many people who live in California call that that mountain here El Capitan, uh, as they are wont to do, I suppose. So, <laughs> right. So our reflection was: there's no chance. There's there's a. a Majorly reduced chance that people in California will say this wrong. No, I think we I, I all think agree that was our on, conclusion on how to say it. Yeah, <laughs> um, hi, Allison. <laughs> but you, you know, and, and, I, and I suppose we'll talk about a lot of the the different aspects, whatever sort of came to mind for uh, for you and I. But if I if I could give it an an overreaching statement, I would say that what Apple did today was about integration, right? Um, the integrating their their operating systems and devices with each other, things like Apple's now, uh, with, with again, and this is all with the new operating systems that developers have in their hands today, and and um, there might be some public betas throughout, but in the fall, everyone gets their hands on these things, or at least everyone that can, and we'll talk about that. But in terms of integration, shared clipboard between devices, so copy something on your Mac, paste it on your iPhone, vice versa, great. Uh, opening up APIs for things like Siri and messages and all of that, that again, allow third party developers to integrate things more richly. Uh, the, the phone call on iOS, they, they announced, and you, you can and should watch the keynote, frankly, but uh, they announced um, phone call, a phone API, if you will. So when you get a call from someone on like Skype or Slack or whatever, those developers now can write their uh, their apps so that when you get a phone call, it looks like and acts like a normal phone call. It just tells you that it's on the app. So lots of lots of integration things. Uh, I named some of my favorites as we were just running through this, John. There's some of the highlights, I guess. Um, any any for you? Well, no, I'm I'm. Well, yes. So when I said no, I didn't really mean no, but but, but to me, I, I agree with you in that the the big value um, of the whole Apple ecosystem is that their devices more and more, and and you know they they were giving of course the developers who without them where would we be right a sneak peek is that all of the devices whether it be the watch or the TV or iOS or now Mac OS all kind of grok each other. They talk to each other and they do increasingly useful things among each other. And, and I still think that is why a lot of people uh, enjoy uh, the Apple ecosystem and, and they're forwarding that. So, you know, my hat's off to, uh, you know, Tim and, and the, the rest of the crew there, because I, I believe that is, that is his vision, uh, you know, to totally. continue the vision of Steve is we want to make all of your parts of your, you know, it sounds corny, but digital life, we want to make them all do the best that they can to make you happy and make your friends and family 
and and all the people that you deal with happy and and I think they they pulled it off here I I uh, you know some said the presentations were kind of long here and there and you know I'll give well, a little the, fish shake here the, um, the Apple Music presentation went far too long in comparison well, to everything else well. I'm just going to offer this here. So I saw a number of my tech journalist uh, brethren, uh, mostly people that are about the same age as you and I, Dave, sure. shaking their fist at this part took too long. This part took too long. I wasn't interested in this. And, and my only reflection, my friend, is, you know what? This probably was not meant for your consumption. No, but it still it still took too long. I mean, yeah, I, I'm a, you, no, you no, could no, no, say no. that, but but they were highlighting things that I think were important to the audience. Like the one thing that struck me. So, no. so, so one thing that struck me at the beginning. Well, hold on. Yeah, let, let me finish. Okay. And then, then right. you go. OK. But but for example, they were highlighting the fact that. We have so many first time attendees here. The 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 great 72 uh, percent. Yeah, seventy-two percent. Um, the youngest developer in the audience, nine years old, and nine year old we saw girl. a shot of her That's with right. her mom. Yep. Um, and the thing is, I I think that this presentation was focused on young developers. So that that that's that's all I'm going to say. And then, you know, if you no, want to pick it up, go ahead. But that's I, very but, true. So that's what we're highlighting, like messages. So I, I agree with you. The, the enhancements to messages and the emojis and, and stuff like that. I was like, yawn. And a lot oh, of see, my, I actually my, think don't 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 put words in my mouth. I think that's no, awesome. I won't. go ahead. I, no, you, we you don't know. agree on that. I, I don't think that was a yawn at all. I think well, some the, people. Well, some people in the audience said you spent w- that, that that I saw in my Twitter feed were like you spent way too much time on messages, and I'm like, the thing is, you and I are not the audience for messages and emojis. Again, and, and, please and things don't like put that. words in my mouth. I use messages all the time, including okay. emojis. Yeah, but no, no I, I'm talking to I'm talking to the the more seasoned tech journalists that I saw commenting on this that said it was too long. I don't think it was meant for them to consume or get excited about i think it was for for another audience so i i think i think the 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 only part that i felt sort of meandered and it was the part about apple music um the woman that was doing it she had a like great energy and awesome hair like that her hair is worth watching the (laughs) keynote alone it it was fantastic and i was far away from her you know and i wasn't seeing her on a screen so you'll see close-ups of this which i'm sure are astounding but um, she really meandered. It, it, it wasn't the topic that she went in uh, that, that wasn't of interest to me. I mean, obviously, music and the music app. But listen, I just released an album on Apple Music, right? So you should go and check that out. Flingrocks.com. Uh, the album is called Bovine Abduction. And uh, it's our five-song EP. It's pretty awesome. We engineered it all in the studio where I am not right now. But um, but so this is of, of, of great interest to me and, and them making the app better and all of that is is obviously something I would like to see. She meandered through that in a way where she was it was clear she was simultaneously having fun and a little bit nervous uh, when Eddie Q came back out on stage. He raced through his uh, his presentation so much so that he got to a slide and skipped it and said, all right, I'm done. And Craig Federighi literally had to run on stage. He was not expecting Eddie to, to skip a slide, you know, and then uh, Eddie was like, all right, thanks back to you, Craig. And Craig comes like booking out from the back. So I, I, yeah, I think it was just a pacing thing, but I, but if that's the, the biggest problem they had 
while simultaneously integrating all of these new faces into a keynote, I think that's okay. I mean, it, they'll, they'll learn from this. I doubt she will ever present that way again. She may well present again, but I think she'll get better coaching and, uh, and all of that, which is good. So it was, no, I, I, I thought it was interesting. You know, there was no new wow in terms of hardware. There was no one more thing in terms of a you know, new device. Well, there was nothing. That's correct. There was a hardware for us that, you know, we're like, was there going to be a new MacBook Pro or a new, uh, uh, or anything? No, there was zero hardware. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a developer conference. I mean, it, it's better to focus on the software. I'm, I'm excited as an Apple Watch user. Uh, they've made a lot of changes. I haven't tried this yet, so I can only go on Apple's word. But they've made a lot of changes where apps can pre-launch themselves or uh, keep themselves up to date so that you're not waiting, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds for an app to become responsive for you. I look forward to seeing how that does. Um, The new watch faces are cool. The new integrations, again, you know, back to that where you can uh, apps can can have more to do with like the dock and all of that on the watch finally use for that button on the side that doesn't just bring up my favorites of my friends uh it, very cool stuff um, uh, you know now what warm my heart so so maybe we'll try to go sequentially here so watch OS I don't, was I don't think we should I, I mean we can but but I don't I don't think we should go point by point through everything I, I think people can watch no. the keynote just List our highlights. Let's go another three or four minutes right. and, then, and uh, then move onward. Okay. Well, highlight, um, Scribble. Yeah. Dude. Um, so explain what Scribble know, is. Yep. Well, Scribble is basically uh, uh, going back to the day of, uh, you know, when you and I uh, uh, like to use graffiti. So it's basically a shorthand on the watch where you can basically write out what you want and it transcribes it to uh, something that the recipient can, uh, can read. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like... Yeah, to me, it's getting back to graffiti, which is what the shorthand that the palm used for you to quickly. It's basically a way for you to to write something on the watch, and then somebody can read it and and make sense of it. So I, yeah. I thought that was cool. Oh, the I other thing I, was, I thought was cool about the watch OS, uh, you know, pretty innovative feature. Well, um, you know, especially in light of you know things happening in the world here, was the SOS thing. Was um, you know emergency nine one one. You know, uh, something's happening. I'm in trouble. Uh, let me alert my contacts. Let me know I'm 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 safe. And I, you know, I saw this too. Uh, you know, what happened recently? I saw this on Facebook as well. I got notifications from people that lived in Orlando saying, you know, I'm cool. I'm all right. I'm, I'm oh, fine. Yeah. And and I I think that was a a nice addition. And they uh, I don't think they planned it to coincide, but it's a. Uh, sure nice as well so watch os um and you're a watch user but but you know the the speed and the memory and and all those things i think were uh welcome to anybody who uses the watch because i think it's still a work in progress right yeah well i you know i was wondering how much further apple could go with the watch given the current hardware like i mean at, at some point the the limitations will need to be solved with hardware and frankly i thought we were already there so I was pleasantly surprised as a watch user to see that that they're you know continuing to improve things, uh, given the you know the existing hardware, the watch, the first gen hardware essentially, not even essentially, it, it is single sign on. 
where you can sign on to. For, uh, so now we're going to TBOS, but dude, yeah, that has been even I. So I have the, uh, I believe it's the third generation Apple TV. I do not have the latest like uh, you. You yeah. have the latest, right? I do. Yeah, I got it. And for that's a always been developer program. So and like, I'm sorry, guys, but it's a pain in the ass for channels that I pay for and subscribe to that I still have to do this dance to enter this authentication code and then go to my browser and nothing. Why can't you remember? And Apple obviously heard our plea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, they, they, I mean, actually I was talking to some folks in the PR department after the, after the announcement, they weren't, they weren't talking about this ahead of time. And um, some of them were saying, Oh, you know, that's like my favorite feature because I, it drives me crazy that I have to go through this. It's like, yeah, good. They feel the pain point. That's good. So, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, it, there was so much stuff, and I want to talk about. I, I also want to get to what I what I wa- what I learned watching the uh, platform State of the Union uh, as well. Okay, I mean, I'll toss out a few things. Yeah, Mac OS, yeah. so of course, you know, it's Mac OS now. The naming, um, uh, they've Sherlocked some things. Um, for those that don't know what we mean by that, um, Sherlock is a feature that Apple introduced early on in the day that basically destroyed the the. Uh, business of a company that made something called Sherlock, which was a great search technology. Um, so Apple Sherlocked a few things here. Um, and you know, hey, that happens. You compliment Apple uh, by writing something that does something they don't. And then they kind of look at it and say, okay, we're inspired. So Universal Clipboard, I think is nice in yeah. Sierra. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that should have been Sherlocked because Apple can do it better. Well, no, Apple has the ability to do it better than any other, than any third party developer could because of the limitations that that third-party apps have to live within. So, yeah. yep, I'm wary of what they call optimized storage, which is something that current products do. So basically, they claim that they're going to clear out the cruft. Yeah, that I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about that um, come this. <laughs> well, there are existing products. I mean, Clean My Mac, and and yeah. there, there are several products out there that already do a fine it's job true. of this. Yeah, it's true. I yeah, think yeah. Apple will do an okay job of it. Um, I, I don't my think they're going to displace the other products. My prediction is that Apple will do a fine job of it and we will have no idea what they do. And that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the problem, right? Is we, is like clean. My Mac is awesome. I think because it absolutely is clear about what it does and what it's about to do for you. Whereas I, I just have this feeling that we're going to head down this path of, what did it do? Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. And then some things we saw that uh, I expected to happen, but they announced them was uh, Apple Pay on the web. I mean, that's kind of a continuity thing, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Integration. Yep. Absolutely. That's cool. And then Siri is another thing. Technically, they could have done, but I think they were waiting to get it right. So yeah. it's kind of nice that we're going to have Siri. I want to, I'm going to detour us here. I want to talk a little bit about Siri on the, um, in in terms of what I learned in the platform state of the union. So it, it's, it's very, it's, um, because now third party apps can take advantage of Siri. And it, this is not a daunting thing at all for third party apps to deal with. It's in fact, very, very simple. What happens is Siri, the, the OS framework still takes advantage of everything. They did this example and I'll just share it because it was good. It said, you know, tell my app um, hyperdrive that, uh, I, you know, use hyperdrive to tell Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. 
right? Or send a hyper hyperspace message to Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, that and tell him he's my only hope. And so Siri is doing all the parsing of this and it's saying, okay, there's a third party app named Hyperdrive or Hyperspace or whatever they called it. Great. Okay. I know who to send this message to. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Great. I know that. I also can look up and see that Ben Kenobi's nickname in your contacts record is Obi-Wan. So, yep, I know the right person to attach to this. And then I know the message. So Siri is doing all of this work before the third party app is ever involved. And then it takes this this very simple text package and ships it, you know, hands it, I should say, to the app and the app gets it and says, oh, great. I need to send this message to, you know, Ben Kenobi. Awesome. And then it's done. So it's not like apps have to suddenly become Siri masters. It's up to Siri to remain being the Siri master. And it's just up to the app to expose itself and say, I I will accept you know, Siri messages, let's go. And it doesn't have to be a messaging app. It could be anything, but uh, you know, it could be uh, call me an Uber or whatever. And, and at my current location, it's like, great. I know your current location. I'm going to send, you know, and, and it ships that off or passes that off to the Uber app and great. You're good to go. So I, I, as Siri gets better, every app that supports it will get better too. And the apps don't have to be doing any of the heavy lifting of, of what Siri is. So I think that's cool. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Um, and I think what you said dovetails into something you and I talked about briefly before the show. And um, okay. not that people really care about that, though maybe they do, but uh, then, you know, tune in before the show. But still, the um, they mentioned the concept that is interesting because I had not heard it used in this terminology, though I'm familiar with it, but they, they talked about differential privacy. I'll yeah. just say I think it's interesting. Differential privacy, to, to try to put it in a nutshell, is you always have this tension between AI like Siri. Yeah. We'll call Siri AI uh, for the time being, though she really isn't, you know, but, but let, let's sure. call her, her an AI or artificial intelligence or like a, you know, personal digital, whatever you want to call it. The thing is they highlighted this thing they call differential privacy and, and in a nutshell, differential privacy is uh, trying to balance the tension between watching what you do and doing smart things like you said, Dave. Okay, I know that this means that. I think that's a perfect example. But the thing is, how do you balance that with not revealing too much personal information? That's basically what they were talking about in the keynote, is that we're, we're embracing this thing of differential privacy and that we're going to protect your information, but we're also going to watch you to the level that we think we can without revealing too much about you. And And... That's, I think, the best I can say right now. I, I think so, at, a so high, at a high level that the last thing you said there is we want to send it, you, we want to send some bit of information that you want us to send, but we don't want it to be personally identifiable back to you. They, they did it. And, and again, watching the platform State of the Union might help. It, I, I'm not convinced it helped me oh, okay. understand it. No, and I'm, I'm, I mean, in general, for our, for our listeners here, it um, – you know, they said they did a, a, you know, which is better, spaces or tabs, right? It was just a stupid thing. Uh, but it was an example of, okay, I, I want to sub, submit my answer, but I don't want Apple to know. I don't want anybody that sees Apple's data to know. So they're using really, really complex math to inject noise into the answers. So any one answer 
you couldn't even tell what that answer is. But when they aggregate them all together, they can filter out the noise and see which way the the vote is trending. Uh, so it's it it's yeah, but but that's I, good. But I your point, that. but your point is is actually better than mine. Yours, where you said you know, sending information without pointing it back to you specifically, that's a good thing. So I like it. Yeah. Hey, in terms of um, uh, jumping back to the the keynote, but the Apple now finally will have a home app. Anybody that wanted to do stuff with HomeKit, you needed a third-party app to configure it all, to add your devices, to create your scenes, all of that stuff. Now, there's some great third-party apps that you could use for free. I I often use the Elgato Eve app, and uh, and it worked great. But um, but it, you know, it's nice that Apple has one now, or at least will in iOS 10. So, um, well, that's it, another thing. It's evolving because you know when you first told me this, Dave, I'm like. Yeah, well, I think we discussed it on a recent yeah. show. I'm like, yeah. well, where's HomeKit on my iPhone? And you're like, well, it should be here. And I'm like, well, it's not. And it's like, oh, well, that's because you haven't installed the third-party app to enable it in your... And I'm like, well, that's stupid. Yep. Or I may have not said that, but I thought that because I'm like, well, dude, no, you should have a menu choice for it. Yeah. And on the one hand, it may make sense that unless you have a HomeKit compatible app, why show the menu choice? But... And I downloaded the Eve app, and as it turns out, the devices that I have are not yet HomeKit compatible. Sure. It involves both having a chip and you know the API and all that stuff. So, uh, so that's good. Uh, you know, I like they they showed the, uh, the I I I think the thing that you know made me interested, and I think you were interested too, was the whole geofencing concept on it. It's like, all right, well, if I'm driving up to my house and I have a HomeKit compatible garage door, I probably want it to open it for me but not someone else. And it's like, well, duh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, hey. um, so home kits, another thing that's evolving, which, which I think is great. Home automation is, is going to be the next big thing or one of the next big things. Right. I, yeah, I, I definitely, definitely. Can I blow your mind for a second, John? Because I don't, you can, you can try. I don't know that if you know this yet, because it wasn't mentioned in the keynote, it was mentioned in the, uh, and now I'm pulling a John F. Braun, not telling you what I'm talking about. Um, it was mentioned in the State of the Union, and of course, there is a session with a name that 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 betrays this 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 bit of truth. Apple has developed, and with the new version, certainly of macOS Sierra, and possibly with the with the others, but I think it's just in macOS Sierra developer preview right now. Apple has developed a new file system called Apple File System. And here's the thing, HFS Plus. I saw mutterings about okay. that. Now, is it ZFS nope. or no? Well, okay, so I don't know. I, I, I haven't dug that deep yet. But what I do know is this. Uh, it is built for flash drives or SSDs. And it, this file system is built to work from the watch all the way up to the Mac, including the iPhone and iPad in the middle. Uh, so it's built for use on flash and SSDs, which makes a lot of sense. Um, it's built with encryption at its core. So encryption is just part of what this file system does. Uh, it's all 64-bit, and they say that it's resilient. Now, uh, here's some specifics of what it does. Resilient, kind of in the sense, like I think what we've seen currently is there's something called journaling, right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, so it's kind of right. So journaling is something that's in the current OS that will try to re if it detects a problem, it'll try to rewind you to a known good state. Um, I just want to inject that. No, just that's so right. Know what we're talking about. Yeah. So so the current OS tries to do this, um, and I'm not going to tell you about my time machine falling apart a couple of days ago, and I had to actually redo it. And one of the problems was it said I can't recover your journaling. Sorry, yeah, dude. Okay. So, so I tried the the Garth thing, and it so eventually fell apart. Here, so, here's so what, go ahead. Here's so, what this so does. resilient. I I like that because we all need that, Dave. It allows for snapshots, uh, full full volume snapshots, mountable, and it supports reverting. So, uh, you know, think of the obvious uh, scenario as a classroom environment where you want to have kids show up for, you know, period A and have their computers or devices, whatever they are, you know, working in a certain way, but they're going to make some changes and manipulate them. And then for period B, you want everybody to start at exactly the same spot that people in period A did. And so snapshots can do that. Obviously, they can also help greatly for backup software and all sorts of other things. So there's snapshots. Cloning. This is interesting. In looking at the way people use their computers, Apple sorted out that there is a lot of duplication. Same file in different places being used for different things. Well, now with Apple File System, it will clone that. So it uses zero space for anything but the first iteration of that data. And it can be done with files or directories. Very, very interesting. I mean, it's kind of like hard links, if if you will, yeah, right? I, I was going to say, hard links, uh, when we saw the uh, what happened when people migrated from iPhoto or Aperture to Photos, that was exactly, and I think Time Machine does the same thing. It it makes something the same size, but it's not really the same size because they use these things called hard links. Mm-hmm. So it's a, but it's a cool thing. So it, yeah, it excellent. is. So, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. They said um, it is part of the developer preview of macOS Sierra, and it is coming to all Apple devices soon. And that's how they said it. So I don't know what soon means. I don't (laughs) think I think they have some ideas as to what soon means, but we will find out. So, yeah, fun stuff. Um, yeah. Have you looked at ZFS at all? Because ZFS yeah. is something that I think the mostly the Unix crowd is really excited about and, and a place that I think a lot of people thought Apple would go being Unix based, but Apple plays so it like for a while. Well, it sounds like they're borrowing because the, the, the things you mentioned, I think a lot of them were mentioned in ZFS, Correct. which is where a lot of people thought OS 10 would go, or I'm sorry, Mac OS would go. Well, but, OS 10 um, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like Apple has been inspired by some of the better features I, I would, of ZFS. I would, cool. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, very. this I, this is cool. It, it's good to see. I mean, it's always scary when this stuff happens. The first group of people that should be uh, on alert about this are anyone that are use, any anyone that is using uh, a spinning drive as your boot drive. Uh, because it doesn't sound like Apple file system is for you. And and that's okay. I, I, I think that I, you know, I don't, my guess is that Apple will handle this transition in a way that doesn't force people that shouldn't be using Apple file system to use it. Um, speaking of transitions, Mac OS Sierra is not like Mac OS or OS 10 El Capitan 
in that it doesn't run on all the same Macs that your prior OS ran on. At this point in time, you basically need a 2009 or later Mac uh, to run OS, <laughs> Mac OS Sierra. Well, uh, I mean, well, because El, El Capitan and Yosemite before it would run on, I think, basically, and I'm and I'm I'm generalizing here, but basically anything from 2007 forward. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. It, I, it I saw a couple of people in my feed saying, yeah. "Well, my late 2008 MacBook Pro, I'm going to have to retire it, or or I can't use it." You can't. You can't use. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a hack, but it'll be unpleasant. Like many people that try to hack. Mac OS. There's already you can, lots of you things can you run can't it, do in El Capitan on those machines. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's how it works. I mean, listen. You've got to move forward. Progress. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can't wait. Now, you know, my, my deal when I travel is for WWDC is uh, we do we always wind up doing a podcast while I'm on the road. And so that is my machine is treated as sacred until that show is published. And at that point, this is a test machine for me. And, uh, and so I do bring another drive and I clone to that because, because duh, but, but then I also download, um, you know, the developer beta and install it on my, uh, and I, and I still can on my 2011 air. Uh, I'm not sure how it'll run, but, uh, I can install it here. Speaking of downloading. So you mentioned earlier and, and you're correct. I'm staying in an Airbnb apartment here. I happen to be in this like I don't know eight block stretch of downtown San Francisco that's uh, got service with a company called Webpass W E B P A S S. Yeah. I did a speed test here. Now I did this over Wi Fi, and so I believe I was hitting the speed limit of my device. <laughs> okay, so it may go faster than this, but but just bear with me. I had three hundred <clears throat> megabits per second downstream. That's pretty good. That's twice what I get at home, ballpark. And upstream, I had 300 megabits per second. <gasps> I can't wait to upload this show. I mean, it's just... Yeah, quick. you know what, Dave? I think your equipment is kind of dated here. So I, I just did a quick uh, Google. Yeah. Which, uh, for people talking about privacy and, and mm. that whole thing we were talking about before, may not be... Uh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll stop. Um, but I just looked them up, Dave. Um, webpass.net yeah. and their website says gigabit internet. It, it could that be. That is their tagline. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and one of the places that they're in, uh, obviously is San Francisco. So I'm, I'm suspecting they're like a uh, fiber dudes. And I would assume, I mean, this is screaming here. It's so you got gig. So you have the potential, I think, uh, through them or through whoever runs your gig there yeah that they could get gigabit i should i should plug in <laughs> if they want uh, i'm before i leave i'm gonna plug into the ethernet here because i brought my thunderbolt ethernet adapter for this machine so i can do gigabit so i gotta test it right i mean come on <laughs> what are you gonna do with that power i'm gonna test I'm, I'm it. i'm afraid man and then i'm gonna like do the happy dance and then i'm gonna pack my stuff up and go home <laughs> i don't know what else am i gonna do <laughs> Hey, well, you could rule the world. Are we, um, let, let me, let me look at my, my list here. If there was anything else. Um, oh, so these, um, it, the cloud kit, which is the thing that allows apps to use iCloud. So first of all, it's part of what the new watch OS SDK. That's cool. It's also part of any signed app that's on the Mac. You don't have to be in the Mac app store to get access to CloudKit, you need a, a a developer certificate from Apple 
that is assigned to you and and that's part of their whole security model and that's a good thing. But you do not need to sell it in the Mac App Store to get access to CloudKit now, uh, which is huge and really kind of telegraphs that Apple either is going to change the Mac App Store or um, understands that the Mac App Store doesn't need to exist in the same way that the iOS App Store does, which I think is good. Anything else that you've got before we move on to our next uh, our next things here, John? Um, that very briefly they they showed Swift Playground. Oh, oh which thank is you for a bringing free, that up. Yeah. Well, it was cool. So so they're they're really and you know the thing is I mean you know I'm a old school developer. I'm C, C++ and things like that. But they showed this thing called Swift Playground, which uh, utilizes their um, Swift language, which is open source. And it's a, a and you know, based on what I've seen of the features of language, it's a language that's had a lot of thought put in it to avoid you from shooting yourself in the foot like you can with languages that I've dealt with like C and C++. That, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I've taken a couple <laughs> of Swift classes and, and yeah, um, it may not be the best choice for doing like embedded or high speed apps, but then, uh, you know, who really needs that? Um, right. Well, well, some people do, but some it, don't. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. Just, uh, uh, yeah, it, we'll it, talk about that later. Inside joke. No, yeah. No. But, um, but, but they showed, but they showed uh, actually at the end of the keynote. Um, um, and you know, the thing was, I got to say the, the uh, cast of characters, and I'm not saying characters in a negative sense, but the people that they put up on stage, Dave, at this keynote was awesome. It was such a mix of people. Um, not all of them were seasoned presenters. Uh, not that I would say you and I are, even though we've been doing this for 10 or 11 years. <laughs> it, it would be but, 11, um, but who's counting? Huh. Yeah, but um, I, I would say we're probably good on our voice presentation. I, I'm, I'm not sure about our stage presence, but uh, but still, um, they put people up. That they put so many people up on stage that I had never seen before, and it was such a huge mix uh, a diverse mix of people, and uh, some of them did good, some did okay. Um, well, working at Apple, even if you're a developer, like like in, it, working on the geekiest stuff there, as I understand mm-hmm. it, you are presenting to your peers and to your, your management regularly. So th- what these people do, yes, they have to prep and will have prepped like crazy for WWDC, including not just the keynote, but all the sessions this week. But... Uh, but these people, it, it, this is not the only time of year they present. If you work at Apple, from what I understand, you are presenting mm. all the time. Oh, yeah. Which is good. No, and, it, and in a past the corporate life, um, number one, I took a presentation skills course. And number mm. two, I actually presented to the CEO of a Fortune company. Sure. Um, and it was cool. But, uh, but, but no, I, I hats off to them for giving so many people within the company that I had never heard of or seen before a chance to uh, show what they're working on. And almost the, well, everybody was very passionate and very excited about what they were showing. Uh, well, well I know, so Swift playground yeah. is a, a tool that kind of allows somebody who's not necessarily a hardcore developer to develop stuff and test it and, and uh, learn. Yeah. And learn about development. Cause a lot of development is okay. I tried this. Okay, it doesn't work. Well, let me try again. And uh, but but it, it I, I thought it presented a nice way of visually showing you. Okay, well here's the code, and then here visually is 
the consequences. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the right term of what you did. Okay, well, you screwed up. Okay, well, oh, here, here's what you wanted to happen, and it happened. So uh, that was nice. And so they presented something called Swift Playground, and it's free. And I think it's awesome because it's a tool that, uh, and other companies have done this as well. I mean, I've, well, what's uh, cool I must- about it is that it's on the iPad. And so it's a very friendly environment and they created a keyboard. I haven't used it yet, but it looks pretty cool. Uh, created a keyboard to, to make coding easier. But I'll tell you in the state of the union, they were showing, they spent a lot of time on Swift playground, which sort of surprised me. They were showing some very in-depth stuff. You can import any framework that exists and write any app you want there for the most part. I mean, it, yeah. So it's not just for, I mean, they call it playground, but it's not just for beginners, not even close. It's very, no, I get it. I think playground is a term that they coined when they came out with Swift and that within the formal Swift environment, a playground is an area where you can test your code without, destroying everything or yeah, hopefully that's not. right yes it's it is um. a test ground but it's not just for simple things i guess is the right way to, to say it all right um state of the union i'm, I'm curious um no, you gotta so i think gotta make this part of what you what you watch yeah yeah just and you can watch it tonight i mean there's nothing it, no i get it but i'm, I'm yeah. just so i think you and i pretty much covered the the keynote um, we, we've covered everything wait okay I, I, yeah I, I brought this stuff in yeah we're good we're okay good. i um what's next I want to talk about our uh, our two sponsors. The first one is Atlassian, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian is focused on teamwork. You might not know their name, but you are definitely going to know some of the names of some of the products that they make. Bitbucket, very, very popular code repository, allows you or your programmers to keep track of any changes they make. Jira, awesome engine. I've used it myself for tracking not only bugs that that need to be fixed, but features that you might want to add. And it it can be related to code. And what's cool is, you know, Atlassian is really focused on teamwork and integrations. And all of their stuff integrates with each other. So if you add a feature or a bug to Jira, and then you fix it and you log that change to Bitbucket. Well, the two can talk to each other so you can see the link of what did this code change do? Oh, there, that, why? Here you go. And it ties it all together. Really, really well done. HipChat is uh, a, essentially a water cooler, but far more than that, right? Allows you to really pull things together and have the whole team communicating all as one. Confluence, these are the products that, Atlassian makes their stock ticker symbol is T E A M. If that doesn't show that they are focused on teamwork, I don't know what is, but I do know one other thing. Not only do all of their apps integrate with each other, they integrate with like 2000 other apps from other vendors. They are really focused on this. So if you are managing or part of a team of any size, it could be a team of two or a team of 200 or 2000 really even a team of one something like bitbucket is huge bitbucket and jira hugely helpful so you got to check this out go to atlassian a t l a s s i a n .com our thanks to atlassian for sponsoring this episode i also want to thank gazelle at gazelle.com you've heard us talk about gazelle before 
What Gazelle does is they give you money for that old iPhone or iPod or old laptop that you're not using anymore. No reason to have that sitting on your desk when you could have the money sitting in your pocket. And it's super simple. You go to gazelle.com and you tell them what you have. They haven't asked you for your name yet. They haven't asked you for anything. Tell them what you have. What year is it? How big is it? You know, if it's an iPhone, what's the size? What's the color? What carrier is it tied to? Is it unlocked? Is it not unlocked? They just want to know the answers. And then they give you a price. If you like the price, then they ask you for your name and your address. Why? Because at their expense, they ship you a box. You put your iPhone in the box, but before you do, what do you take out of the box? A label and a piece of tape. After you put your iPhone in, you put the label on the box, you tape the box shut, and at their expense, it goes back to them. You've spent nothing. They open the box, make sure that what you said you were going to put in there is what you put in there, and then they send you your money. This is how it works. Sometimes they sell, they sell this stuff out the back door. Right, they they put you know a bunch of iPhone sixes in a box, and somebody buys them either for parts or for resale or whatever. But the very best ones that they get, they started saving those. Why? Because they know that sometimes you need to buy an iPhone, and you don't necessarily need to buy a brand new one. Sometimes you want to buy a used iPhone, maybe that's unlocked. Well, Gazelle has refurbished all of these things, and you can go buy from them. Check it all out gazelle.com when you're checking out either for giving them selling them a phone you're not going to give them anything or buying a phone they're going to ask where you heard about it put in mac geek Eb into the field that helps them it helps us and that helps you our thanks to gazelle for sponsoring this episode all right john tell us uh you had uh you had an interesting issue if can can you can you summarize it very, very quickly. I'll summarize it and I'll get you started. You had two devices. Both of your iOS devices would not charge or power on. Is that correct? Correct. I'll give you the background. And this is the background I gave to the geniuses at the Apple store I went to. And I'll sure. highlight who they are in a moment here because they are awesome. So here's what happened. So here is my recollection of what happened. So I was online and our friend, Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob Levitis, who uh, is awesome, uh, posted an article that linked to another article that said, hey, here's a tool that can tell you how many times the battery in your iOS device has cycled. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting because you normally can't get that information from the Apple. Yeah, that's not exposed. That's right. Interface. I'm like, okay, so I downloaded the app and it was from a site that I went to. That was linked. Sounds like somebody article. slipped one past the goalie at Apple. Uh, th- that is my, you know, I'm glad you say that because my impression in the past was that you didn't believe what I was saying. So anyways, I downloaded this app and it, it seemed to, for the most part, so I think it was called Battery Percentage. So I downloaded it from this site. You know, I've been installed it on both my iPhone and my iPad and My bad, I probably should not have done that with an unknown app. So in retrospect, if you get a new app and you're you're not quite sure of the source, I I don't know. Hang hang on, though. Hang on. I got to rewind here. We are talking about, I I wanted you to tell the story of how your iPhone and iPad both simultaneously So let me do that. So I'll go right to it. No, 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 no. But now, but you're telling the story about an app that you put on there. I, I... 
because I, I believe that it has something to do with my problem. I think correlation and causation are not necessarily indicative of one another. Right. And in this case, I will violently disagree with you, my friend. There's no let, way. Let me continue. There's no, no yes, way. Yes, there is a way. Okay. Let me continue and then I'll explain to you why you're wrong. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. So I installed this app and it would give you these uh, previously unavailable statistics about your battery power cycling stuff on iOS. The reading data from, from the device. Okay. Uh, yes. Now, whether it's through published or unpublished Doesn't uh, matter. APIs, we don't know. So anyways, I installed the app and it was like, okay, yeah, you know, your battery cycled this much. You know, we'd even tell me interesting things. Like I actually learned that, you know, my, uh, uh, um, iPad, I plugged into the wrong port on a device that I had, and it was not powering on the high energy circuit, but the low energy circuit. And so, so, so anyways, it's reading it's reading data from an API that exists, but maybe is not built to be public. Uh, just, uh, that's, just that's like, my best speculation. Just yes. like Apple with I, and my, this changed, I think, with iOS nine with all of those changes, where Apple stopped allowing apps to read the the process listing and all of that stuff. There are right. things that could be revealed there, as you're saying, that right. might be, cause a breach of security. All right, so I installed this app. Okay, everything seemed to be okay, and I installed it on both my iPhone and my iPad. Then yeah. a day after. I was off to my sister's. My sister had uh, uh, in another part of Connecticut had a little uh, get together. And so I brought both my devices um, and I have a car charger and I have cables and both the car charger and the cables are from uh, known uh, companies that publish their products. They're not cheap knockoffs. So I was like, okay. And I've used them uh, maybe uh, I, I would say hundreds of times in the past. So I was confident that these products were, were fine. So the thing is, um, you know, usually when I get in my car, I plug in my phone and uh, charge it. You know, uh, usually I run Waze, which I know you hate, Dave, but that that's fine. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But so I plug the cable plugged into the charger, charger of my car into my phone and I didn't feel it do the buzz buzz, which is what an iPhone normally does if you have it on silent or and I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Well, let me power it down and cycle power because sometimes that solves all problems and it still didn't work when I cycled power on my phone all I would see is the Apple logo on it and I'm like well that's annoying okay all right I'll deal with this later so then I also plugged my iPad in because the charger also had a high current port to charge the and the iPad didn't charge either and I'm like okay well whatever but it had plenty of battery power so I'm like okay whatever okay. so you know I go to where I'm going my phone still wasn't working right it would cycle i would power it up it would it would the apple would display on the display it would sit there for a couple of minutes then it would turn off and then do the same thing again and i'm like all right whatever and it was funny because i was sitting in my sister's driveway and she's like she was wondering so she sees me back in and sit there and then and after like yeah. five minutes she's like john what are you doing i'm like my phone screwed up <laughs> she's like well you know we're having a yeah, like, come on yeah, in right yeah okay great great but my iPad I'm glad still it's not worked. just me that, that has to, you know, all right, nudge you off of the thing. I get it, though, because I, my family has to do the same thing, too. It was me. limited yeah. obsession because I'm like, I get it. Wait, I can fix this or yep. I think I can. I fix think it. I so, can fix it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So what's happened? But I have my iPad and it, because it was powered up and the iPad has a huge battery, relatively speaking. And I was showing people my photos on Flickr and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, all right. So the event's done. I get home um, and I'm like, OK, 
you know, the iPad is, is acting weird too, because it's not accepting a charge. So I'll cycle power on that. As it turns out, neither of my devices would power up. All right. So the phone would show the Apple logo. And then after a couple of minutes, it would turn off. And despite my, so I would try to do an iTunes restore, a DFU restore, whatever. My iPhone would not acknowledge any of these things. And the same with your iPad, right? Well, no, the iPad, once I cycled power on that. So the thing is, I'm like, you know what? I suspect this app is doing something weird. So I'm going to cycle power on the iPad. Hang on. This app is doing, you just talked about how you used this third party car charger. And, and, and that I've used time and time again and never had a problem with. Yeah. But hardware versus software that has to live in a sandbox. I mean, even if it's reading it from an API that's not published, it's still living in its sandbox. So I, I, there's, it, it astounds me, frankly, that you are after, even after telling us that story that anyone listening that knows how iOS works would choose the piece of software as the culprit over you plugged both devices into this car charger and now it's dead, but you got a new iPhone because your phone was under warranty. So the test is to plug the new iPhone into the car charger. I'm not going to do that. Whoa, wait a minute, but you just said it was the software, not the car charger. So why wouldn't you plug it into the car charger? Put your money where your mouth is. Uh, I'd rather not have to get yet another phone. I'm so, with, no, I'm with you, but I think it's your, right. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious right. that it's your car charger. No. And I think in your gut. All right. You know let, let me explain. Uh, let, all right. Let me explain to you again my thought process. All right. So this car charger I've used time and time again, mm-hmm. the cables I've connected it to, I've used time and time again. I've never had an issue. And when I'm trying to explain to both the listeners and to you, Dave, is let's look at what has changed until you had the problem. What has changed is that I installed this power management app. Okay? But it's not a that, power that, management that's my li- app. It's a power reading app. It's not making any changes well, to your that, power uh, management. Well, I don't know that. And l- let me give you evidence that may indicate that the app is a problem. When I went to the same article that linked to this piece of software that is in the app store, yeah, all of a sudden, when I went to the app store, it said, I'm sorry, this app is not available in the U.S. app store anymore. Right, because, the because they slipped it pulled. past the goalie. It was pulled because it was reading data and displaying data to the user that it shouldn't have been displaying. A lot of this stuff what, what, is available to I, developers. Be, like yes, the, like the I, process listing, so that developers can do their own internal testing. Right, and then it's All not right. built. Here's for here's my conspiracy theory, and I'm going to stick to it. And you can violently disagree with me, and that is your right. Though I feel you're wrong, I feel that this app was exercising or using parts of either a published or unpublished API that somehow invoked a unknown let's say unadvertised feature of the phone that all of a sudden prevented it. Uh, All I'll say, Dave is I have seen firmware. Uh, Firmware can potentially ruin power management in devices. Uh, I'm, I'm going way, way back. There was the potential back in the day where you could blow up a monitor. If you sent the wrong signals, 
through a published interface to a monitor, even though uh, all I'm saying is the only difference, my friend, is once I installed this app and I charged or interfaced these devices to a charger that I know worked in the past and was not from a shoddy outfit and used cables that I know that worked in the past, all of a sudden the devices malfunctioned. Yeah. So, that's all I'm going to say. I, right no, now, I, I know. All right, let's move. Let's move on because we've got the good news is the Apple do. Store. Yeah, the good news is the Apple Store because it was under warranty. They swapped it out, and right. I'm up and running with the new one. Um, I do want to give a shout out to my buddy Tyler at the Trumbull Apple Store, and actually to his he probably, friend. He probably hates you for calling out his name on the show, but yep, go ahead. Well, I'm not using his last name, but the thing is, he he <laughs> diagnosed the problem, and he said, "Yeah." Well, no. Here's the other thing. So he said, and and here's. I want to wrap it up quickly, Dave, but I, I want the thing is, he said, the problem you're having is that we used our current monitoring device on your phone and your phone is only accepting like three milliamps of current where it should be accepting 500. Dave, this is the exact same problem that I had with my first iPhone success. Remember the one I talked about in yeah. the past? Yeah. And when I brought it to the Apple store, the same Apple store with the same awesome employees, did they you said, use that oh, yeah. same iPhone with the car charger, though? Yes. Um, that iPhone out of... I'm just, right. just saying. You're, you're, uh, no, you know, actually, I don't believe I did. All right, so your speculation. I, I understand your reasoning, but you got to understand my reasoning. The thing is, that phone with you, other you're devices... You're smart enough other, to know how iOS works. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know, man. I, no, I I'm not because there are things that are hidden from me. So all I'm saying is that what changed between when everything worked great and everything didn't, and it was an app that had something to do with the charging circuitry. Yeah, That's all I'm going to say. All right. The good news is I got a new iPhone. The bad news is that app has been pulled. Well, right. probably Be the good news. Yeah, but the, for the same reason that similar apps have been pulled, that they're, they're exposing data that Apple has decided shouldn't be exposed. All right, let's move In on. retrospect, let's what I should have Edgar. done is only install the app on one device. Then I could conclusively say, was the app responsible for my woes? Did you back I still up the app to iPad. iTunes? Of course I did. And you know, I got so you well, could, no. So you could well, install the app. If you back, you could back it up from, uh, if you backed it up in iTunes, you could install the I'd app. I'd rather not. Now, I got to uh, say hats gotta off. You got to test though. If you're going to make this claim, man, you got to test one or the other. <laughs> The thing is, I was, you know, and I didn't think I was a phone person. And then we got to move on. But still, Dave, I, I got to have my say here. I didn't think I was a phone person, but having my phone disabled. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, the, the, the biggest thing to me was that it was my primary mode of voice communication for a lot of people that I know. I mean, I have a landline also. Yeah. And people are like, what's that? But yeah, yeah. Having my phone restored. Now, the thing is, my my iPad is still dead. I got to decide what to do with that. Sure. And that's still... So it's... Uh, 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 I'll have more details here, but it okay. still it was upsetting because having your devices all of a sudden die... Oh, no. That, regardless of the reason, that it's frustrating and scary. I get why why you're hesitant to, to test this, but... Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, here's the thing. If I had more iPhones or iPads, then sure, I'd be like, yeah, yeah no but problem. You've I'll, here's the thing. I'll you've, line them up. But you've I tested don't wanna... this with, with a previous iPhone, and I feel like that, I mean, if you're seeing exactly the same problem with two of these iPhones, chances are, even if it wasn't your car charger, maybe it's some other charger in your house that, you know, is frying these things. <sighs> I mean, it, you saw this problem 
in I, your I gotta say, I'm for the app. Based on what I know about electrical engineering, I I looked at. I mean, cars have uh, you know devices have fuses and current limiting circuitry. I, but if I those don't work, I mean, those it's it's hardware. It malfunctions all the time. I can't imagine that a device that I have that used to work in the past all of a sudden decided to provide too much current or power for the device to handle and it blew it up yeah that's all i'm saying fish Groove we'll talk about the chat more. room says uh it, it and our chat room is at macgeekup.com slash stream he says you have a 90-day warranty on any replaced iphone test it so uh well, even to, Ed, i edgar the guy at tyler i said this and i'm like you know i'm tempted to try the charger again and the app again and he's like well I could replace it again for you. And I'm yeah. like, but I don't want to do that to you. Yeah. I don't want to waste your time and my time. Yeah, but you've yeah, we've now gone 13 minutes on this. So I think we know whose time needs to be tested. And Apple's Go. willing to do it. So uh, Edgar, 14 minutes, actually. Edgar writes, where is Edgar? I had him ready. Uh, he says, listening to the uh, photos and iCloud discussion, I'm hoping you might be able to help me answer a question. I have photo stream enabled. Photos on my iPhone are in my Photos app on the Mac. I plug my iPhone in and tell it to import the photos. Uh, I get a subfolder. Hang on, I gotta open this up. I'm I'm flying blind here, literally blind on my uh, on my 11 inch chair. He says, uh, I plug my iPhone in and tell it to import photos that have not that have not yet been imported, and it does. But now I see duplicates, and he'll he sort of some pictures that were duplicates. He says. One of the photos imported today lands in a folder, uh, and although it looks the same, using the app named Duplicate Photos Fixer Pro, the only difference is a different file name, and using the Inspector app on the iPhone, metadata shows modified today, and uh, 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 modified today, he says, I'm a Picasso user, but I want to switch to iCloud Photo Library, but this is scary. So... This is, um, this is, so he's getting duplicate photos on the import, which I find very interesting, John. Um, and, and I'm trying to decide if it's duplicating everything or just some photos. And my, I'm also curious if these duplicated photos are actually being duplicated on the iPhone, because sometimes when you post, say, to Instagram, it's actually modifying the photo, putting a smaller version in or putting a different version or making if if you add a filter change, it can do that stuff. So that's um, that's kind of where I'm going with this. I don't know. Thoughts? I mean, I found the Apple software in general does a fairly good job of, you know, it seems I mean, I've seen this in photos. It's like, well, no, it's the same photo. What, what are you doing? No, right. I don't want this again. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's there's definitely different stuff happening, but um, you know, there, there's something different about this photo. I would, I would take a look at what those photos are, and see if there's anything common to them, like you've posted them to social media or, uh, you know, edited them with uh, something. I, yeah, it's interesting. All right. Uh, you know what I would use is if that fails, I mean, it would be good to find the source of the problem, but if that fails, uh, power photos, you know, can, uh, it can, can do a lot of duplicate detection as well. And it does a better job than photos does. So I would, uh, I would test there and maybe, maybe that'll help. Last show, we talked about, uh, genius bar pro tips and Ev has, uh, something to add as always. Ev writes, 
He says it's a quick tip, but when making a Genius Bar appointment, even if you are going in with a phone, be sure to check the Mac appointments box. Today, I made a Mac appointment for my iPhone because they had a same-day appointment for a Mac, but the iPhone was three days wait. The only piece of advice I have for you when you do this is don't get caught. And so I asked Ev about this. I said, wait a minute. You know, I thought they did that because some techs work on, you know, one piece of hardware, one type of hardware, and some work on the other. And he says, that's mostly true, uh, but they get paid more if they do both. So if you get someone who is only Mac, then they will just swap with someone who does both Mac and iOS, and you still get your early appointment. I don't know that uh, I, I share that because it is a genius you know, it is a pro tip for the genius bar and you've got to like some of the tips we shared last week, you've got to know exactly what you're doing when you apply this particular tip, but it is a good tip. Um, if, if you need to get an appointment same day, I, I, it's good to know that that works. I'm not, I'm not sure I can condone it, but, uh, but I share it. Now, Dave, you know, I was just at the, yeah, I think we talked about by being at the Apple store briefly. Recently. Now, <laughs> I'm going to offer this. Probably the best way to do this, Dave, is that I went to supportprofile.apple.com. I clicked on my phone. I then... So if you don't know this, and anybody who has any Apple equipment, guys, you got to use this. But supportprofile.apple.com with an Apple ID can catalog all of your Apple equipment. And I have all of my Apple equipment. If it's not registered, if you didn't buy it through your Apple ID, then you can register it. But I actually scheduled my appointment using uh, this site, Dave. Yeah. And it was like totally like 100. The thing is, when I got there, um, they were like, oh, you know, well, I brought a printout of my appointment. But the thing is, the app will allow you. First, it'll say, all right, troubleshooting. And, and you know, it was very good. It was like, okay, your iPhone won't start up. And you know, that was my problem. And it's like, well, try this and that and that didn't work. Okay. Well, you want to schedule an appointment or you want a phone call? And I'm like, well, let me schedule an appointment because yeah. Trouble Store is close to me. And it's like, okay, uh, the next one is available tomorrow at 4, 10 PM. And I'm like, okay. And you know, it, it scheduled it. It sent me an email confirmation. It sent me an iCal uh, thing yeah. on my calendar. And then, and I even printed out but when I showed up, they're like, oh, hi, John. Yeah, we're expecting you uh, have a seat. And like within less than five minutes, the guy was out there. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I, I brought my great. computer, I explained everything. I said, you know, here's what I think the problem is. And, and then he was cool. And I think I was in and out in less than half an hour with a new, uh, replacement iPhone. So, um, awesome. That's the way you got to do it. Awesome. All right. If you want to save time. Mo yeah. <laughs> moving, moving on to Jeff here. Uh, Jeff writes, and I'm going to open this up too, because by golly, these things, uh, he says, in uh, show 608, you discussed ways of transferring photos from iPhone to Mac and explored alternatives other than PhotoStream or iCloud Photo Library. And in particular, one listener raised questions about the loss of re resolution when texting a photo to him or herself from an iPhone. The same holds true when emailing a photo of oneself from an iPhone. For example, a photo emailed from my iPhone 6 at quote-unquote actual size, the largest of the four available options, comes through on the Mac at 2048 by 1536. Where pixels, where whereas the original file size as captured by the iPhone 
was 3264 by 2448 pixels. A photo texted to myself from the iPhone 6 and saved to my Mac via messages also comes in at 2048 by 1536. An easy and foolproof way of transferring full-size photos from iPhone to Mac is to tether the phone to the Mac and launch Image Capture, a bundled Apple application that's been part of OS X, now Mac OS, for many years. Simply select the iPhone in an image captured devices sidebar or in image captured devices sidebar, select the designated photos uh, or choose import all and you can pull them in from there. Thanks for the actually two tips there. Uh, you're absolutely right. Even even though it says it's transferring at full size, it does not. It still scales it down. One other handy thing about image capture, if you want to delete photos from your phone that uh, that otherwise do not want to be deleted, Instead of doing it manually on your phone, you can bulk delete using image capture. So handy, handy stuff. Thank you for that. And a uh, for final that thing with image yeah. capture yeah. is that I've used it in the past. So, well, it's image capture. Well, what if you have something like a flatbed scanner? And for a lot of flatbed scanners, image scanner, because it's image capture, image capture is probably not a bad place to start. Mm-hmm rather than getting the software. And yeah, I've that's true. actually found this, uh, especially ones that are standards compliant. There are a few standards for image for uh, scanner devices and um, image capture. We'll see a lot of them start up. So image capture is one of those um, hidden gems that yeah. uh, does a lot of things that normally you're like, huh? Okay. Back to, uh, to show 607. Ron writes, I may have missed something about your PDF discussion in 607. But at the bottom of the PDF dropdown in the print dialog, there is an edit menu command. He says, clicking on it, you can select any folder or app. He says, I use it as a regular part of my workflow to send PDFs to folders, to Evernote, to papers, etc. It's all very, very simple. Y you know, I knew that, you, and I don't think we mentioned it in the show, so either way, I'm glad about your tip, but I, I knew that you could send it to apps, and I've used it for that. You can just choose an app, and if an app will accept the PDF, like Evernote would, um, you can just do that, and it works great. I never even thought about choosing a folder in there, but sure enough, it works just fine, and it just dumps the PDF right in that folder. Uh, brilliant. And then, of course, you could use something like Alfred uh, to you know, process pictures in a folder, whatever. But uh, yeah, very, very cool. It's very powerful. And uh, I, I totally never thought about that. So very, uh, very good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. It's good stuff. Fun. All right. Uh, oh, well, we'll hear from Barry because it it's only fitting that we would hear from Barry on our uh on our anniversary show here. Hey, Dave and John, it's Barry. Hope you are well and congratulations on 11 years. That is awesome. Wanted to respond quickly to Michael from episode 607 on Apple Watch layouts. Got this tip from Max Sparky, David Sparks, and he suggested putting apps into an X format. That way it's a lot easier to navigate around on the watch and you can make each leg do something like games or productivity or home automation. And I found it to be a very useful way of navigating around the watch quickly. Just want to pass that along. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Barry, uh, for all of it. Uh, and yeah, you know, Apple solved some of this today with watchOS 3, which, of course, we don't get until the fall doing their, um, 
with the with the dock and being able to use that button for for other things other than sending messages to your you know twenty four favorite people or whatever. But um, but yeah, I think the X layout is still quite valuable even even past the fall once we get Watch OS three. So thanks, Barry. Good stuff. Someday maybe you'll get a uh, you'll get an Apple Watch now that they're making it more and more useful, John. And less expensive. And I less think expensive. The latest that's role true. is uh, two ninety nine. I think is now the entry level price. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And and often you can find them refurb, uh, not necessarily from Apple, but from like Best <gasps> oh, Buy for even less yeah, than that. I've heard about that. Yeah, uh, it's cool. All right, in uh, in show we we get just got two more to do, and then we'll get out of here because I, I, frankly we all have to get out of here. We have today. I actually have a time limit, but uh, Bob, in show six oh eight, we were talking about Wi-Fi bridges and all of that. And uh, let me make sure I have the right PDF up here. Yeah, uh, we were talking about bridging Wi-Fi between two locations and uh, you know short range locations, and. Uh, so there's two that uh, listeners have recommended that are much less expensive uh, than the ones that we talked about in the show. Rob recommends this uh, thing. Uh, and I don't even have it in front of me because I, I put an Amazon link in, but it's uh, it. He's getting 450 megabits per second between them. And I think they are i'm pulling them up here oh yeah ubiquity networks nanobeam acs for 99 bucks a piece uh and so two of them would be 200 bucks and you can push significant data uh certainly enough to to do what most home networks networks would need to do getting his his data from his garage to his office so we will put that in the show notes if i can do that while i'm typing here and then a second one uh the Ingenious H-E-N-H 500s from Chris, uh, $186 for a pair of those. And again, the same kind of uh, same kind of performance. So definitely worth checking this out. For 200 bucks or less, you can kind of solve this problem automatically. And that's what we like. So fun stuff. Uh, anything else on that, John, before we move on to the last one here? I'm trying to sort through this. That's the only problem with the 11 inch air and doing this show is I, I don't get to have my zillions of windows open, but we'll, mm. we'll get there. The only thing I'll mention is that, so I was at my local warehouse store the other day and yeah. I saw some guys installing antennas yeah. and I was like, Oh, microwave antennas. And they're like, yep. And I'm like, uh, Oh, who, for who? And they're like, Oh, um, uh, Verizon. Uh-huh. Here it, uh, and then I'll move on. Um, oh, it's cool because I've taken a lot of time. But I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, uh, yeah, they're for Verizon uh, uh, cell phones, and uh, we're upgrading these antennas from the 40 watt to the 60 watt. I was actually kind of shocked, Dave, because I'm like, watts, like tens yeah. of watts. Wow. But apparently, that uh, that is the power level that uh, a lot of cell phone towers use. At least, uh, probably it's probably more typical in densely populated or like, dude, I mean, you know, I'm in a, I, I wouldn't say a city. Well, no, a city. Yeah. I'd say I'm a city like yeah. you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I was right. surprised at the relatively low power level, but you know, I was happy with the fact that I could see what they were putting up there. And I'm like, those are microwave antennas. Right. And they were like, well, no, they're, uh, you know, something, you know, whatever thousand megahertz. I'm like, well, yeah, that's gigahertz and that's microwave. Right. Sure. They're like, Oh Yeah. They were like, you know, contractors, but it was fun to see them 
and uh, it, yeah, it's BJ's, but, but they have a big water tower and, and everybody wants to rent their space. Oh yeah. Right. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, um, makes sense. But 60 Watts. Really? It yeah, makes sense though. I mean, I know. guess, well, the phones I think are on the orders of what milliwatts, right? So the towers yeah. shouldn't have to be too much more. Well, they've got to go a long distance though. I don't know. I guess the phones do too. Um, to clarify something that John, listener John, asked in, um, I guess, uh, he asked it after hearing us talk about it in show 608. He says, did I hear you correctly when you said that 1Password would sync with iCloud Keychain? I've been looking for all over for this and can't find it anywhere. And no, it won't sync with 1, 1Password won't sync with iCloud Keychain. Um, and I apologize if I wasn't clear about that. When using 1Password with Safari, with iCloud Keychain enabled, the two actually tend to work very, very well together. If I insert a password from one, say if I insert a password from iCloud Keychain, and 1Password doesn't know about it, it'll ask me if it wants to add it to 1Password. Similarly, if the reverse happens and I add a pass or I, I submit a password from 1Password, if iCloud Keychain doesn't know about it, it will ask me if it wants to know. If if I use it from one and the other does know it remains quiet. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not, it really works. Good. Yeah, no, it, it that was works. my question because a lot of these are extensions and they kind of watch your traffic and they kind of jump in. Yeah, no, this so, is so like, does one password back off if it sees keychain or does keychain back off? Or it's not I that guess. it backs off it. If it sees keychain, it backs off. If you've entered a password that mm. it already knows about, right? Which is great because if you typed it in, it's not going to pester you. Hey, uh, I mean, what's it going to ask you? It's like, I already know about that one. So it just leaves it alone. So it is an extension. It is, you know, watching the Dom, I would assume of the page. I don't know how else it could do it, but, um, but yeah, it, it works great. So, uh, and it, like I said, when we were talking about it in the last show, I really didn't intend to use it this way long term. but I have it running this way on all my machines and, um, and it, it works great. So that's, uh, that's how it's going to go. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is where you can email us. Dave, I got something to say, but first, I don't know if I heard you right. And oh my gosh, the volume is wandering. But I think you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I'm hearing the volume fine here. It must just be Skype doing its thing. And if you're a premium listener, you can call premium or not call you can write to premium <laughs> at macgeekab.com if you want to call you can call 224-888-geek which john is 4335 that's correct uh you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash groups slash macgeekab or to make it easier just go to macgeekab.com slash facebook i want to thank everybody for being with us and supporting us for however uh, many of these 11 years you've been a part. I know many of you have actually been, been with us for all 11. Uh, but Thanks, Barry. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really astounding. And <laughs> uh, we, we're still having fun doing this, so I see no reason that we will stop. Even, even when we argue about things, I actually, I think we both find that kind of fun because... Uh, no, it's a spirited, intelligent exactly. discussion. Exactly. I, I wouldn't call it an argument well, yeah. because that... Yeah. We're even, even, even arguing when, as even, to whether or not we should call it an argument. It's perfect. Well, even when you're wrong, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I want to thank Cashfly. I'm kidding. Cashfly.com for providing all the bandwidth. I want to thank you, John. It, this has been, it's been a, I mean, you and I have known each other f- for basically forever. Um, decades. Many decades. decades. Yeah. I was in my teens when we met. So it's been a long time, but uh, it's been, a, it's been fun doing this show. I love it. So it's great. Uh, Likewise. Thanks, and man. Not, but, but it's not only you, Dave, but it's our community, which I think we uh, hinted to. But if we didn't, if it, you know, Dave and I can't do this alone. No, nope. it's impossible. And to the hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands, perhaps, of people that are part of our community, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And Absolutely, I'm honest. No, it's true. Thank you for saying that. It's I, my 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 sentiments exactly. Uh, I want to thank all of our sponsors, of course, Gazelle.com, Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Smile Software at smilesoftware.com slash geek. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. Otherworld Computing at maxsales.com. And of course, Barebones Software at barebones.com. Casper at casper.com slash MGG. John, I started this. You finish it. What is it that you want to say to them? Well, I'm going to finish it because, you know, I am so glad that I heard my colleague Dave here. Um, uh, arrive in San Francisco because you know what that means to me? That means that he was clever, he was careful, he got through TSA, and that means he didn't get caught. Made up.